How are you doing, ladies and gents? Welcome to another nursing debrief with the Cup of Nurses. First week back after TrafCon, we have worked five shifts out of the seven days. It was a grind, mm -hmm. 60 hours in the weekend and then Monday, Tuesday. A lot of great experiences, and we're going to share some of our best nursing stories, a.k.a. the worst nursing stories is what yeah, it really yeah. is. So, yeah, Pete, how was your shift, man? It was good, man, but it's funny because our buddy Renard told us that when we fly in and had that first shift at work, we're going to be like, damn, we're at work right now. Yeah, at the Pixis. Yeah, at the Pixis. And we literally flew in that morning and went to work that night, which was which was a mission. But, yeah, tough. I had some tough patients, man. Definitely some tough patients. I had a very interesting case. So usually when you think of people going to the hospital, you think of something usually happening outside of the hospital, right? You think of maybe somebody having a stroke, an MI, a fall. Maybe they're going to DKA. But in this situation, things were a little bit different. So this patient came in for a permacath to get long-term chemo for the cancer that the patient was having. And during the procedure, very unfortunate case, what happened was whoever was performing the procedure nicked the right subclavian. And nicked the right subclavian, caused a giant bleed, gave her a pneumothorax, had to be intubated, and brought to the ICU. They put in two chest tubes. And it's crazy to think about that this was a complete accident. You can't, can't blame a person that was doing the procedure because things just happen sometimes. Consent was signed. Consent was signed. Everyone's anatomy is a little bit different. This is going to happen. This is what happens every time. Same way in sports. People play sports and accidents happen. It is what it is. It's uh, the deck you've, you've, you've been dealt. Yeah. But, how, how, how was she doing overall? Because that was just an accident. Mm -hmm. Did she... It was tough, man. I had her for three nights, three nights basically in, in a row. And it's just, it was just tough. Her main issue was she's very septic. She has a lot of different infections going on. She has a viral infection going on. She has antivirals. And her main issue right now is her temperature regulation. For some reason, well, not for some reason, she's, she's, she's infected. She's an infection. So her temperature just randomly just shoots up. What kind of cancer does she have? Uh, I can't remember the top, top of my head what kind of cancer it was. Um, but it was already, I want to say late stage, but the prognosis was already not the best. Mm. So her issue was temperature regulation. Whatever infections she had, it was just driving her temperature through the roof. And the thing with this is every time the temperature started to increase, she became tachycardic. She became hypertensive. Respiratory weight went up. O2 went down. And it's crazy because in nursing textbooks, the textbook febrile patient experiences all those. But you know, nursing isn't isn't always textbook. It's rarely textbook. But this was like a perfect textbook case of a hyperthermic patient. And we tried to put a cooling blanket on her. It would dip down a little bit. But then we would try to go on her sedation, down on her sedation. And for some reason, that would throw her into a fever. So every time we try to change something up, for some reason, it just agitated her so much that she just got a fever. So her main issue is we can't take the sedation off. Because every time we decrease the sedation, runs a high temperature and then you're at high risk for for other issues you could get a seizure you get a stroke you get a lot of a lot of problems can can occur because you got you got a fever so it's just like trying to manage a lot of different things and plus her plates were super low they were basically in the teens i got her one night plates were were a seven i gave her a unit and the thing is she had two chest tubes chest tubes are due to be pulled out but the fact that she has low platelets we can't pull them because then she's, she's going to bleed out and there's going to be a lot of complications. So now it's like, hey, 
you leave the chest tubes in and have uh, have her be in a higher chance of getting another infection or do you pull the chest tubes and risk the fact that that she could bleed to death yeah. she had a full she had a really good urine output though so that was real good also they found a lot of dvts we actually had her in a, in a murphy sling just to decrease the swelling and and the problem she was having with her with her left hand First Murphy sling I've ever seen in my looked life. Looked a little bit trippy because when I saw from the corner of the room, it's every single time she took a breath. Yeah, it's like her arm was like waving at you, but really it's a sling that was just elevated up on her arm. Yeah, and this is it's a, it's a it sucks. And I came out of my lash with her not having a good feeling. She just wasn't doing good. Every so I had three nights like I said, and every night it got a little bit worse. So the first night I had her, I was like for sure, let's try SBT SAT. Let's try and get her extubated for the morning. And I was being super aggressive because I didn't know how she would react and just man she was throwing fevers she was hardly was in the 150s i was trying to go on her sedation i was putting ice bags on her cooling blanket on her to cool her down because i wanted to extubate her but not realizing that this patient's fevers were this big of an issue because they tell you yeah we've been having fever problems but this extent i've never seen it like like this bad before the second night i tried to be just as aggressive same issue same thing went down to the sedation already started getting agitated, throwing a fevers, tachycardic, desetting, hypertensive. So the third night, I'm like, All right, let's give this lady a break, man. I, I I kept her at the same sedation. So just to let you guys know how much sedation she was, she was on, she was definitely on a higher limit. Prestex was at 1.5. Fentanyl was 87.5. Versed was at 2.5. So still some leeway on those medications, but it's definitely on a high amount of sedation. And I literally went down, third night, I went down on Versed by 0.5. And temperatures started going up. So this, this, is, this is like, it was wild to me. So I was like, screw it, I'm not messing with her. 2.5, I was giving her 1,000 milligrams of Tylenol every six hours. Or sorry, every four hours. It would change every four hours just, just to manage something. Because like once they started uptrending, you had to act quick. Once she hit like 37.4, you got to get the cooling, cooling blanket on her. You got to put the ice packs, give it Tylenol. Because then she's going to go all the way up to like 38.9 was the highest that's crazy yeah yeah poor thing man yeah but how was your shift you had some rough rough nights as well <laughs> yeah good old nursing man so i had a c19 case which was one i didn't have for a while so it was annoying gowning on and off but i had a lady that came in for c diff was intubated for other things ended up having abdominal pain and diarrhea so we were trying to rule out a toxic megacolon on her mm. because of the c diff so they were doing daily kubs and big thing with her is while she was intubated she just threw up all over mm. herself just i did a whole bed change peter helped me out actually thank you for yeah, that okay, you, started leaking all over suctioned her out but the thing is like darty wasn't there before and didn't do anything about it, you know? Yeah. They didn't even do an oral care afterwards. And that's one thing that I don't like about this facility is that RT doesn't do the full scope of practice of what RT does versus other hospitals. Mm -hmm. You should be taking care of that mouth. Yeah. If she threw up, you should have been squeaky clean afterwards, man. But for me, it was the nurse's job here. So she actually ended up throwing in three different episodes. MSS, same thing, intubated. Poor thing, probably had aspiration pneumonia. And then after the third time, I sh shut off her tube feeds. I shut off her tube feeds like the second time because I did like, uh, like, uh, was it called tricklic? Tricklic feeding? Trickle feeds. Trickle feeds, yeah. Just 10 cc's to see if her stomach could tolerate it. Ended up even during this time going into AFib RVR, became hemodynamically unstable, had to do some pressors, 
had to do an amio bolus, and that was like one of my nights with mm-hmm. her. The second night we went in, there was an issue where she got extubated finally. I'm trying to remember the course of events. I had three days. I had her one day, and then I floated again. Then I had her another day when I came back. She ended up getting extubated. The OG tube that I put into her mouth had to be taken out, but she was nauseous again. And what happened is day shift took out 700. So she does need to be decompressed. There's a small bowel ileus forming. What happened is they tried multiple times. They did a core track device, which is like a ultrasound guided device where you could see if the dub hoff is going in. They couldn't feed it in. She already had a dub hoff in in the left nair, but it was post pyloric. So that can't decompress the stomach because it's past that. So uh, what ended up, a uh, nurse told me this old-fashioned routine of putting a NG tube into the, the fridge for a bit, let it cool, and it's going to be easier to insert afterwards. So mm-hmm. ended up going in there. I tried that right there, which was open, complete resistance because, what is it called? Um, I trauma. Trauma. It was already bloody. So went into the same there, advanced it, got it in, perfect, was able to decompress her stomach. She was just on room air during the beginning of my shift. Then by 3 p.m., she was so gargly, I had to deep suction her a couple times. She and Because of that episode, she went back into AFib RVR. She went from Neo on two mics all the way up to nine mics. Um, and what sucks about Neo is if it's on a, such a high dose, 9.1 mics per kg per minute is the max dose, you're running like a bag every two hours. Mm-hmm. So I had to like quad it up. Had to do another amiobolus on her. She was on a high flow. And overall, she just wasn't looking too good. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what happened. And then another shift that I had. So it's it's cool that we're kind of getting some ICU experience working in this facility. Because a lot of times you're floating around, mm-hmm. as you guys hear on our debriefings. We floated our first three shifts, right? At the beginning of the contract. We did. Yeah. And then the first two here were in the ICU, which is dope. I had a DOU experience. So step down, PCU observation unit. I had the max here technically is three patients. Kyle, um, oh, can't say that word. Kyle. The hospital ratio. But if it's outside of their ratio, going into state ratios, you get four patients. Anyway, the charge. You got four patients that, that night? Three. Okay. Yeah, because we weren't out of ratio mm-hmm. technically. So really bad chargers on day didn't shuffle the assignment properly and one thing about that is i understand that some nurses are coming back and they need their same patients back but if the acuity changes you need to shuffle shuffle that assignment around just so one nurse doesn't get screwed this is what happened got a report i had one patient that i got a report on within 15 minutes ir was going to pick him up because he needed a a right perk drain because he had a cholecystitis we had to drain his uh, bile Okay, was also getting a call from ER, which was a lady on BiPAP that was coming up to the unit. Okay, got a report. And at the five, 10 minutes later, they allowed me to take report because there's an ICU patient overflow that has to go to DOE because you guys need a bed because you were floating that day to the ICU. Mm. So in between my first two hours of my shift, I got three patients that came in as I was... As I was getting the patient from the ER, she was mucus plugging. We we're suctioning her with IR, BiPAP, IR nurses waiting for me to get report. They're trying to wheel the patient in. And then like 30 minutes later, my patient comes in from the ICU. 
I handled it. It's fine, but it's completely unsafe. Mm -hmm. And it's I uh, I was complaining a little bit to the charge where they need to be shuffling the assignment around. Of course, the charging was awesome. We made it through, but it's just it became crazy, dude. Mm -hmm. At one point, I forgot to like scan potassium and another nurse helped me out. She's like, did you scan the first bag or is this your second one? And I'm looking at the Mar. I'm like, oh. I'm gonna back chart it because I, I I forgot about it because I was so in the flux of doing things. Yeah, it's very unfair, man. It's rough. Yeah, and and I of course I feel like as a traveler that's sometimes how they they throw you in like that where they love to give you a patient, they like to leave you open for admission or during change of shift shift you might be getting an admission or a transfer from the floor or whatever the, the case is. They gave you two open beds though. That's, that's pretty Two crazy. open beds, yeah, yeah, I know. And there was another nurse that had only one patient after like 11 p.m. because one of her patients transferred out and expired. Mm. So it's like maybe you could have gave me something easier like the expired patient. Yeah. If you knew I'm going to have a patient going to IR, I'm going to get admission from the ER. Uh, but it is what it is, man. And then afterwards, things slow down. And then towards the end of my shift, I'm like, okay, I'm, I caught up on charting. It's like 6.45, I'm chilling. And that's when that's when my guy went into SVT in oh, yeah. the 150s. Like he was just hanging out like this, asymptomatic, just dreaming. And I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? He's like, yeah, I, my heart rate's usually high because I have hypertension. But he's not <laughs> connecting the dots. Yeah. I'm like, no, man. So I had to get a 12 lead, showed that he has an SVT, and they're going to push some adenosine. But I didn't get to watch it because the doctor that was on, he wanted to get a consultation from pulmonary because this guy has interstitial lung disease. So I had two patients with interstitial lung disease. Interesting. Um, but because I guess adenosine affects the pulmonary tract, mm. he wanted to be careful because he didn't want his lungs to get messed up. He was already on high flow and they're working him up for the transplant list. So I'm not too sure what happened afterwards, but it was just crazy, man. Mm. Like at, it's all doable, but you're just so exhausted after your shift. Like you just sleep in and you feel like crap afterwards. Sometimes you don't want to do as much the next day because get your ass beat at work. Yeah. <laughs> but that was really cautionary by the doctor because people in Chicago or in Illinois, where we used to work, people would come with all sorts of lung diseases, all, all sort, all messed up in all sorts of ways, and we would still give give a medicine. You know, you gotta do something. It's your, it's your dad or you. Uh, you get a cardio, cardio burn, yeah. potentially. Yeah, well. Hmm. I haven't like. It's been a long time since I looked at what's better, denosine or cardioversion. You know, because that's you can do both. Yeah. Did he have a pacemaker by any chance? He did, right? No, he had a pretty good history. Everything was good. What's cool is I didn't know if you do a a workup to get a lung transplant, they do a lot of things. They want to make sure you're vaccinated, mm -hmm. like MMR, whatever your titers are. He had to get a cardiac cath. He went down to ICU to get a colonoscopy. Everything, dude. He Check your teeth. He needed to get a DEXA scan, which checks like if you have at P risk P for P osteoporosis. MPEs. No, no, it's a DEXA Os scan. Lexi scan. Thing yeah. Okay. The other one is a VQ scan to check mm -hmm. check for PEs. And yeah, it's, I mean, good for them because if you're doing a lung transplant, I don't know how many lung transplants you could do a year, what the, the candidates are, but I'm sure it's scarce. So. Mm -hmm. You have to be a good candidate. And of course, it affects their numbers if there's a transplant team in I don't know what hospital. If you're just transplanting mm -hmm. lungs and the patients are bad or they have cirrhosis, your number is going to go down as oh, far yeah. as success rate. Do you know where he was on the list? Like a 1A, 2B? No. No, no classification, yeah. 
Yeah, man. You do a lot, and then you get a bunch of labs drawn on top of that. But it's crazy because I know, because we get a lot of transplant back in Illinois, and I was always, for the first time, I was like shocked. They actually check your teeth. They they pull a lot of people's teeth before they, we give them LVADs, before we give them the heart, heart transplants. And it's just, that's the first time I really took in how important dental health is. Because we all know, brush your teeth to make your teeth white. It's healthy for you. But you know, you don't understand how bad things would get with poor oral care. We literally had to pull people's teeth for them to get an LVAD or or a heart or a kidney or a lung. It's literally that intense. Yeah, perfect example is you could go get a dental cleaning or pulling a tooth and you could get endocarditis yeah. from that situation. So Isn't that crazy? Yeah, since you're on topic of SVT, we had that one patient. Um, they were transferred to, their, transferred to a different hospital, but they ended up coding, not on our shift, but... Um, another shift she was she had a she had a pacemaker but i guess she didn't have a defibrillator and she was or she did have now i'm a little confused but i'm pretty sure she had a pacemaker and a defibrillator the the issue was her vtac settings were set higher than the vtac that she was having so it was not able to shock her out yeah so it couldn't shock her out so this lady was completely in times four talking normally in vtac but she did not reach a threshold of her defibrillator shocking her. And I had a similar situation with a patient back in Illinois. He had a defibrillator, but his VTAC was not triggering it because it didn't reach that threshold. I think my patient in Illinois was at like 160s, but they had him at 170 because I don't know, I don't know really why, but they had a, and we couldn't we couldn't do anything. It wouldn't shock him. So what we actually did was we did end up defibrillating him because we're like hey what else can, can we do here we got to shock him out of this because he can't last this forever long story short we got reamed by the by the medical cardiologist and the um and, and the pacer team because what we could have done is we could have damaged that pacemaker and it could have made things a lot worse yeah but we were trying everything trying to bear down trying to put him on his side cold water trying to get him out of this this v-tag and we couldn't so he was literally in there for like 15 minutes so we're like, we, we have to do something. You can't just leave this guy. Physicians aren't, aren't, aren't picking up. The ones that are here don't know, what, don't know what to do. So, hey, let's shock him. We shocked him. He got out of it. But still, people were super, super upset. But I understand why. At, the, at, the, at that point in time, I, I didn't realize how that could have affected it. You know, it, it is what it is. But we had to get him out of it. So I don't feel bad. I don't think it was a bad decision. Because how long was he going to be VTAC for until he codes, right? Yeah, you use your yeah. best judgment. Mm. All right, ladies and gents, thank you for listening to another debrief. We'll see you on the next one. See what else nursing stories we have as we continue our nursing contract. We have about 10 weeks left or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See you on the next one. See you guys. Bye-bye.